The following program is rated MAL. It contains strong language and is intended only for mature audiences. What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to another edition of Quick Time, the podcast. This week's episode is going to be a little bit different as we are going to continue our conversation with Josh and JJ Riggins. So no news. We'll be back next week with our regular regular format of a show. So sit back, check out the uh, part two of our conversation with Josh and JJ coming up right after this. I will say your shop has gotten quite a bit smaller compared to what it was when I went... We had to install this year for the first time, I think, in history at our shop. Because I told Nate, I go, because Nate was doing it. And I go, there's not much room over there. I go, when he has the two wings and the car in there, I was doing a wing and Terry couldn't even find me. I was like, she's like, where's Josh? And I'm like, I'm over here. I had to raise my hand so she knew where I was. (laughs) It's the same way at our place. We can't find Josh either. Yeah. Well, (laughs) um, we, I thought we, Josh and I had a pretty nice shop where we were and we had air conditioning and heat and all that and and that when i started you were lucky if you had a hundred watt light bulb and a dirt floor in the garage but my wife tells me that we're moving and i said i, I ain't moving well i moved <laughs> <laughs> that was easy <laughs> yeah. and so now we have this smaller place but she was kind enough to give us heat and air conditioning I did see that, yeah. 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 So. And it, but I heard your neighbors don't like you fire in the car maybe or yeah, like they little, used to be. Yeah, I get a little excitable. Or leave the trailer outside. The, the worst part is we live like two blocks apart. So it isn't like, you know, we can go to my house and try it there because, I mean, it's the same, same people, people yeah, you know. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's uh, – it's, he lives in the holding area for ropers. That's what he's not telling you. You know, they come and mow his grass for him and – yeah. You know, like he's gotten a little easier now. Than yeah, what used to. yeah. That corner lot was probably a fun it, thing to mow. A lot of gray-haired people, and you know, yeah, on his block. old fart circle. So <laughs> funny, funny story about that. The first time I came to your new place, I went to the wrong house, and <laughs> I was like, "Where, you know, where is he living?" And I, the lady was really nice, and I was like, "I'm looking for a race car, you know, you know, around Can here." You know, those assholes like, up what? the street, and I'm like. <laughs> I'm looking for JJ Riggins or Terry. And she's like, Oh, that's next door. And I was like, probably shouldn't have told him about the race car. I'm sure they know, but <laughs> uh, they, uh, uh, I really, Josh and I are really good about keeping the door shut. Um, but yeah, I call it old fart circle, just a holding area for ropers. And we moved in there and the first, we hadn't been there. What Josh a month whatever yeah, and so. so i take the truck and trailer they call the cops on me because i'm blocking the fire hydrant so i okay so the next week i back it up in the driveway and i'm you know 
blocking the sidewalk. Well, what old fart gets up at 8 o'clock in the morning to walk the sidewalk? I don't know. But anyway, so then they called the cops on us again. So then I told Josh, I said, we need to start this car. And uh, Josh goes, yeah, yeah. And so push it down the street. Ain't no big deal, you know. And It happens in Brad's neighborhood all the damn time. And Stu, yeah. so we got it going, and they called the cops, said we were racing. And nah, we ain't racing, you know. But uh, we only lived there about four months, and they called the cops on us three times. Yeah. And uh, I live a block away from Stu Snyder, and, and, and at one time I did not know he lived there. And I'm in my backyard, and I hear this race car. And I go to my wife, I go, there's a race car around here. So I jump on my bike and I go around trying to find it. And I go around this corner and there's Stu Snyder's got his uh, 305 started. And he's got double trouble because he like he likes to start them both. And like he'll he'll run the 305 for a little bit and then he'll go start the 360. And I don't know how if the welcoming committee is in his neighborhood like the same as yours, but uh, I'm I know that he's had some issues with uh, neighbors not liking that big ass trailer that he's got. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So anyway, we. Um, uh, you know, it, it's really a pain when you get in those situations because where uh, Terry and I lived before, I had Stuart Alley come over and pour, pour a big slab beside the house. Oh, yeah. And, and right uh, so you could just back it all in there. So that was really a good, you know, good deal. Well, now we're over there, and now we got to take the thing clear out by Pioneer Park. And, and invariably you know you're out there at least twice a week getting something out of the trailer it's really a pain i mean but uh you're gonna do what you got to do to race so my first install i ever went on you were there for billy's car and nate's like just to warn you it could be a show and i'm like what do you mean he's like you'll see so i get there it's Stuart, you like toby chapman it was like whole group of people and then you just hear riggins yell out who brought the popcorn like and who's got the beer and it was literally them sitting in lawn chairs watching me and nate install and it's like if you mess up just (laughs) act like you did it right and i'm like all right and luckily i did the other side of the car where they weren't looking (laughs) and josh messed up but the story i always remember you telling me about Stuart was when billy was wanting to maybe race sprint cars and what was it that you told Stuart to make, make him realize that he could do this? Well, when Stuart, Josh was still doing the mini sprint deal, and uh, Billy was ready to move on. And so um, Stuart asked me, what would you do? And I said, well, the first thing I would do was take him up to Terry McCarl's driving school. Because when Josh was 15, yeah. Um, Josh had bought a car from Terry McCarl. And so the part of the deal was that Terry had that driving school. So I told Terry, okay, then we're going to come up there. And in between people driving at your school, Josh gets to turn as many laps as he can. And when the next person's ready to go out, we'll just wave him in and wait. So Josh was getting a lot of laps up at Usage at 15 years old. And so, anyway, I told Stuart um, I would take Billy to uh, Terry McCarl's driving school in Sioux Falls and that. And Stuart said to me, well, you take him. And I said, no, I won't take him. And I said, you can take him, and I'll show up. And so that's really what happened. And so um, 
that's kind of the deal. But we met the alleys with go-karts. That's I always thought it was micros. That's why I didn't no, know. No, it was clear was. back to go-karts. Right. And Suzette really liked Josh. Well, he's pretty likable. <laughs> uh, but Suzette was the one that caused him to have to lose all this weight because she really she would always have, like, um, sloppy Joes and stuff going in the trailer. All right. That's losing weight? No, no. When she I was a kid, she would feed us. And, and Grandpa's a Nazi. If you go to the races with him, he doesn't think anybody should eat or anything all day. He will not stop. It's just like, oh, okay, you're lighter. we're going racing. So you're saying I should walk up next time yeah, I'm at Eagle, so you know, eat some chicken bites, walk up there? race day, and neither should anybody else. And it's that way. And, you know, it's like, man, like, it isn't really going to matter. But, like, I eat every day. It doesn't matter to me if it's race day or not i mean right. i still so Susan, gotta have something but he doesn't you know and uh, it's it's pretty it's not fair you know <laughs> put some skittles in the cockpit <laughs> yeah, something. I don't know. we gotta do something but yeah he won't but Susan, yeah. yeah you you learn to get something at the gas station really fast too because you will get left <laughs> and i'm like what the hell good does it do to go to the races and leave the crew chief and the driver, you know, and the race car is there, you know, an hour early. But, you know, he, he's that type. If you're not in the car, you know, you know. It's... So, so what was this about Suzette then? You're, you're... Well, she always gave him two. And these other kids um, would go over and, and she'd only give him one. One hot dog or one sloppy joe. And, and I knew damn well he was eating two because I could see it. And I told her, I said, hey, you know, we're, we're trying to make weight here. <laughs> you can't keep filling my kid up with this food. She knew she could beat him that way. <laughs> so, uh, they were in a class above us. Yeah. Because <laughs> Billy's a, just a little bit older than I am. Oh, but, yeah. okay. But, yeah. uh, that, but that's where we met the alleys, um, was through go-karts. And we just really became personal friends. And um, it was just a doggone shame that um, Stuart... Uh, has left us, and uh, I always really in, enjoyed Stuart. He was just really a good guy. You know, you and him were very similar as people I have met through racing. You guys have the same personality, and it would just be hilarious when you guys would come together to the shop to either pick up Josh's car or pick up something for Billy, and it would just be you guys would just hammer on each other. And it was, I think the last time I remember him coming, it was something about some truck that didn't work and how is it was, was going to die anyways and Stuart's like oh, i'll just trade it in and you're like no just keep it you know it was just like hammering on each other and it and it was like me and nate and i think one of the girls even came in they're like that was just the most funniest thing to listen to those two just go after each other and Stuart just sit there and smile and <laughs> uh, they uh, we took josh and i um we came up with this go-kart they called it a cadet go-kart but it was a real short little wheelbase thing. Well, we were racing the go-kart in Des Moines in the winter, and they called it dome racing over there. Well, we go over there with the latest, greatest stuff that Kermit Bowler's building, and we're getting our doors blowed off. And these guys look like they drug this junk out from the side of a barn. And so I know they're cheating. So uh, we come up with this real short wheelbase car, and 
Josh gets on this thing and he comes off the corner and he's doing wheel stands with this thing and he just he just cleans them out man I mean he just wins the greatest ease so then we took Billy over there with us well I crashed with it I think the first week yeah yeah, well, but it, I should have won, but I, I think I crashed. But yeah, after that, it was it yeah. was pretty much game on because it it yeah. it was the fastest thing down the other end of the barn. You know? <laughs> <laughs> we just had to hold on. And, but you know, we t- we took Billy over there, and and he's bouncing off shit. I'm like, it's tough to drive. <laughs> he's like, I didn't know which way I was, and it was like, yeah. I'm like, you just got to catch it just at the right time. And, he finally caught on to it, but it was it was a lot of fun, you know. We they that was one of them them horse arena type things where people fight outside and drag people off go karts and all that kind of. So cool JJ stuff. fit in pretty well. Yeah, yeah. We, <laughs> we didn't have too many troubles there. It was um, there was more the adults that really got crazy over there, really, you know. Not really the kids. Not, no, we uh, I tore up Bob Thompson's. Uh, son's car. He had like all these trick wings and all this stuff that he built out of aluminum. And uh, I accidentally got into him and tore the hell out of it. And uh, we showed up like a few years later because he was going to fix one of my sprint cars, you know. And he's looking at me and he keeps looking at me. And then he looked at, at my grandpa and then he's like, Oh, I know where you're, I know where I know you from. And I was like, Oh, where's that? And he's like, the dome, you tore the hell out of my go-kart. <laughs> oh, God, now this guy's got to fix my car. You know? good How luck. good a repair am I going to get today? But, no, they were, he was super cool. He fixed it, you know, and, and I kind of laughed, and I was like, man, that thing was out of control. And, you know, he was like, yeah, you were out of control, but, you know, we became friends, you know. It was cool. Usually something like that that's completely different, they allow it until they start getting their ass kicked. Did yeah. they – did they make you guys change anything, or did they just adapt? They told and us not to come back. Not to come back. <laughs> yeah. That's usually the kind of stuff that well, happens. there was a little another deal to it that they had this. I don't know how much you guys know about go-karts, but they got this little blue restrictor plate that's about the size of the tip of your – that's all the bigger the hole is, the tip of your little finger. Well, I knew damn well they were, you know, something was up. So I told Josh, I says, well, I'll fix this deal. I said, uh, so I took that plate and I boarded out the size of the carpet so it didn't have any restriction. No restriction. Yeah. And, and he had this little short go-kart anyway. <laughs> and that's when he blew him off. And, uh, we beat so, him after that. We, changed, we almost got caught with the restrictor plate. He had to hide it in his sweatshirt. He had to hide a legal one in his sweatshirt and do the old hand switcheroo. <laughs> so then after that, I was like, Grandpa, I ain't going to work. You know, I'm a little kid, you know. Grandpa's the type, he'll cheat till he gets caught, not me. I'm like, yeah, they're on to our shit here. You That's know? what I was going to ask. Yeah. You know, you mentioned the cheating. How how much cheating was going on back in back in the 70s and the 80s and oh, com- shit. compared to what it is now? Um, well, um, back then it was honorable to cheat, just don't get caught. Cause wouldn't you, I, I can't remember who it was, but every time you come in the shop, you were always talking about this cheating motherfucker. And I want to say it was Lloyd. No, but no, no it was this cheating son of a bitch. Is okay. what it usually was. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was Lonnie Jensen. Okay, that's Lonnie that's. <laughs> and I I still swear to this day that Lonnie passed more cars under the yellow than he ever did the green. <laughs> 
Really? Really. <laughs> and then to make matters worse, okay, you know, you, you know when you're fighting a losing battle is when Lonnie Jensen's wife's scoring and Don Drought Sr.'s wife's scoring. So yeah, you're get, automatically third place. Oh, yeah. Right. So, you know, anybody in his right mind driving a sprint car, when the yellow comes out, you know who you're following. They don't have to tell you. You know. Well, I would go back three spots, and Lonnie would go six forward and just drive up there, and these guys would just let him in. And i just furious over the deal. Jesus, you know. I mean, he he wasn't – I mean, he was – pretty damn competitive and i just lose my mind and uh and it just went on all the time and um i told lonnie that you know right to his face you pass more damn cars under the yellow than i ever (laughs) did under the green and and he just kind of looked at me and but um yeah there was uh uh, jim schumann decided that it was all about motors so once again we buy 20 gallons of nitro and give it to Dick Stevenson, the truck repair guy. Mm -hmm. Well, Schumann and these guys are going down to Dick because they know Dick's got nitro, and they're buying it, but Dick's telling us who's got it. Oh, that helps. So Ed Bowes wins the feature one night, burnt the side panels off Schumann's car, and... But he won the feature, and it was toted to the max. And But at least with Schumann, Schumann admitted what he did. He said, I, I just proved that you don't need a big dollar motor. You just need nitro. <laughs> so how would so, you inject it into the car? You just pour it into the fuel. Oh. But you got to be careful with it. If anybody's ever seen a top fuel dragster book, Grandpa, you know you gotta be careful with nitro. It's yeah, boom. Yeah, you wanna yeah. be a little careful with it. Yeah. Um, That's why he doesn't have had any hair on his body and shit anymore. You know. <laughs> okay, guys, we're gonna jump out of here real quick and take a quick break, and we'll be right back here with more of our conversation with Josh and JJ. Join Stars photographer B.A. and Off-Ice official Gene Cotter for Thunderstruck, the unofficial Lincoln Stars podcast. We'll talk with your favorite Lincoln Stars players, coaches, and alumni. Oh, it was a great night, yeah. Beat, beat them in their own rink just before the buzzer. It was something special for sure. I don't, I don't want to call it a surprise because I knew that there was uh, a great rich history for hockey here in Lincoln, but uh, I was I was really happy to see the fans come back in droves and, and be such a great supporter for us. I might have to throw my roommate on the bus. Uh-oh. I think Sato doesn't have the best tape dogs. He actually just spray-painted all his sticks white um, on the bottom of them. I think uh, he's copying some, some NHL or he's looking up to, but I don't know. I think it's dusty. I think a lot of guys think it's sick, though. <laughs> <laughs> to let him in penalty minutes, back before they handed out those little 10-minute wussy misconducts on everything, with 265, <laughs> Thunderstruck the podcast all season long, right here on the Anchor app or wherever you find your favorite podcast. Thunderstruck! 
Hey guys, Dan Taylor with Tailored Computers and Repair, and we all know Christmas is just around the corner, so I've got a couple of ideas for you. If it's a youngster that's looking to stream, maybe do a little bit of gaming, maybe a young adult that's headed to college for the first time, or an older adult that's headed back for continuing education, I have two identical HP ProBook 640 G2 laptops. These are 14-inch screens, so they're not too big, they're going to fit perfect in a backpack, and they're really, really light. They've both been upgraded to the maximum amount of RAM which is 16 gigs, and they both come with iCore 3 processors that max out at 2.3 gigahertz. These are awesome laptops. I'm really impressed with the way that they are running after the upgrades that I've done to them, and they're available right now for just $450 each. Give me a call or shoot me a text message, 402-659-5641. You can also email me at taylorcomputersandrepair.com. This is the Dump and Chase podcast. We're trying to model ourselves after what you guys have done a little bit. Voice of the Phantoms and friend of the show, Mr. Matt Lipsack. I am along for the ride and perhaps provide some modicum of adult supervision here, although really... That's a lost cause at this point. We welcome back Phantoms President Andrew Goldman. It went smoother than it did with Matt. I want that added. (laughs) I want that added. shaking your head now for i'm agreeing with you because oh. he has absolutely killed us this year well so far finger guns has meant sam shut up so yeah that's that's not helping i'm trying to process okay check out the dump and chase podcast every wednesday on western reserve radio youtube or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts listen that like was frightening Rewind Adrenaline Rush, Lucas Oil American Sprinkler Series invades Boone County Raceway in Albion, Nebraska. Friday, July 1st, it's the Norfolk Transmission of Upper Boone County Challenge. See ASCS stars like Blake Hawk, Wayne Johnson, Matt Covington, and Dylan Westbrook take on Nebraska's top talent along with IMCA late models, Bob Wise, and NCSA. Friday, July 1st, go great with all at 7 racing at 8 p.m. Tickets on sale at BooneCountyRaceway.com. It's the Lucas Oil American Sprinkler Series National Tour at Boone County Raceway on Friday, July 1st. All right, guys, welcome back to Quick Time, the podcast. Let's continue our conversation with Josh and J.J. Riggins. I know this is this. My dad listens to this podcast, so he might get after me for saying this. But uh, years ago, uh, Dean Ward used to drive for the car that my dad worked on. Uh, Mel Ernest owned it. <laughs> and uh, we, us and Wilbur Heckey, were like the two best cars in central Nebraska. So you guys were cheating. Well, that's the story. Uh, we would go behind this building in Grand Island that's by a cemetery, and we would always get our fuel before we went to the racetrack. And come to find out it was jet fuel. It wasn't regular racing fuel. It was jet fuel. And we would tell people, we because Dean Ward always loved Budweiser, we'd, we'd mix it with Budweiser because we always had a Budman on the side of the car. But I found out that it was, and I assume because uh, really high octane maybe, and that made it uh, a little bit faster for the car or something. But we were using um, fuel that not everybody else was using, and it was uh, airline fuel for, and I'm not smart enough to know what the hell that really means, but I know it wasn't uh, completely on the up and up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, we tried this, uh, we tried this one time with a tire at I 80. Josh told me, he said, Grandpa, you got to go get this stuff, the tire softener. Um, and I go, well, okay, I'll go get some. <laughs> so we doctor this couple tires up. Josh goes out in a heat race and just smokes this tire. I mean, the tire's 
basically about bubbling when it comes <laughs> You don't want to do that now. <laughs> Stuart Alley walks by, and I said, hey, Stuart, take a look at this tire. See if you ever seen one look like this. And Stuart looks at it. He goes, what the hell? <laughs> and uh, he, he goes, uh, did you do something to it? And I, oh, no. <laughs> oh, no, I didn't do anything. <laughs> but we found yeah. out pretty quick that stuff was yeah, way to go. Mm. No, so. all it does is tires. It's not. It's not like the go karts where you can put <laughs> that crap it's on not there faster. No, no. Yeah. It'd be really bad today with the tire issues. Getting tires. Oh man. Oh. Yeah, it's hard enough. It's yeah. it's pretty. It, it's it's so weird right now. You call everybody and try and get stuff, and and it's just hard to get, and it's it's just not fun. You know, like I, I got better stuff to do than call around and on my lunch breaks at work and try and find tires so we can go do what we do. I mean, we got so much stuff sitting there, you know, with motors and cars and wheels and truck and trailers. And, you know, it's just, it's a stupid problem to have, you know. I mean, we we even loaded up on stuff in the winter, but it's just, it's ridiculous. And I, I think what it really is, is it's just price gouging on everything that you buy and no different. You waiting on a couch and... Yeah, or waiting on gold leaf. That yeah. was lots of fun. Because... Yeah. Like, people don't understand, but your guys' car always has gold leaf. Well, in the vinyl business, gold leaf is coming harder and harder to find. So it's, I know exactly what you're talking about. To to have to call you guys and be like, I got this much gold leaf. I can do like one top wing and a number. And it's like, it's not a very fun situation to have to do that. That's for sure. What's everybody think of the blue car? I was just going to ask you, you know, your car is different this year. Why, why is that? Um, Mike Peterson, uh, been painting my race cars for a long time and, uh, he's been sick lately and, you know, I just always liked Mike and I was like, Hey Mike, you're one of the few. uh, (laughs) No, I love Mike. Mike's Mike's great. uh, I was just like, Hey man, what what color do you want to do this? Like you always do red because I will pick red nine times out of 10. My truck's red, the basement walls red. I mean. It's, you know, just what I like. And and uh, he goes, oh, I'd like to do one blue. I'm like, okay, uh, we'll do blue. And and uh, kind of started there. And and uh, we just, you know, and then I argued with Josh about 57 times about how I didn't like the scallops until I got that where I somewhat liked it. Uh, you know, that's normal for me every winter. It's just... I spend tons of time if I'm not, even when I'm at work, if I'm not thinking about racing, I'm thinking about paint schemes or something. It seems like it's one thing you were trying to do. And this is what I remember. It was driving you nuts because you were trying to add red somewhere. You're like, how about we do red in the numbers? And I think I finally told you, I'm like, Josh, you just gotta, you gotta go for the whole thing because it's not going to look the way you want doing it that way. Yeah. it, It came out really cool. I, I wonder what it, that same paint scheme would look like in red at times. But you know, I, I think it'd look good either way. But I really, I really do like the blue. It's it's been, it's weird though. Like you get in it and you're like, man, this thing just doesn't feel like. Well, didn't Preston? Mine. Preston told me I should wrap the inside red, so that way you at least feel like you're in a red <laughs> car. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's uh, but it's been fun. It's it's uh, it's just cool to change stuff up every once in a while. I had a Dayglow orange one we did one time, and that thing was a pretty slick hot rod. And that was different. Fast. 
It was wild. It looked like you were sponsored by Mark or uh, Phil Durst there for a minute. Yeah, yeah. It was well. I just got into that. I, there was a car with the Nationals that was day glow orange and white and blue, and I was like, I gotta do that. And I always liked that car, that Hooters car Sammy had. I thought that thing was. I still think that thing's probably the coolest sprint car that's ever existed. Just the way the body hung on it, and um, it was still a lot of like uh, metal and fiberglass fab you know and everybody's hoods were different you know now there's like three hoods on cars and you know everything looks kind of the same because everything is the same and it's just kind of fun to be brandon's got a picture of your car there i think that gold leaf really pops out of that blue that's kind of sharp yeah it looks good in brandon's picture anyway and that's hard to do oh uh, yeah any of my pictures are really <laughs> hard to look good hey just kind of changing things up a little bit you talked about you went to school to learn to build motors do you get to use that skill anymore or you do you build your own motors or do you do some of it or yeah i i do what i can um we i built three motors this year and uh trying to get rid of a couple of them you know i i uh i still have always wanted to do that i've always wanted to be an engine machinist you know i uh done a lot of production machining because Quite frankly, that's the best way I knew to take care of my family, and and it I enjoy it. I'm uh, machining's one of the few things that just kind of came natural to me um, for whatever reason. But uh, I uh, I work at the railroad and I'm a machinist there and uh, build wheel sets at Havelock, and um, I I just kind of uh, started doing that and. Uh, I, I like building motors more than I like building wheel sets at the railroad, but uh, I got to do what I got to do. But I uh, really, I mean, that's kind of one of the things, too, about racing. I've had some hard times and some good times, but it's led me down a lot of good paths, like whether it is learning machining or whatever, to to kind of go on and pursue the rest of my career. I don't know what I'd be if I wouldn't have been a race car driver because I don't know where my life would have taken me, whereas I needed to... Uh, we knew we need to build some motors because we were down motors, and uh, you end up learning how. I mean, that's kind of the way. Well, the goes. better question is the names of your motors. Because one time I made a decal for it, and it was what Time Bomb Motors yeah, or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah, we. I uh, <laughs> when I was at school, I we uh, they were big into building drag race motors at the school I went to, and um, so I, I like lightweight stuff, and obviously, like, uh, the race saver deal, you're kind of stuck with what their rules are, but I like thinking outside the box and, and really building something that's trick. I, I, uh, and sometimes it costs you, you know, because you're like, hey, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw the gauntlet at it, and it's either going to make 15 more than everybody else's or it's not going to go, but that's the way I see things, too. If uh, it's, it's either... The bastard, it's nothing, you know. So here's a good question: Is um, I just lost my question. Um, was that, was that <laughs> I had a good question. So your car now, I kind of ref when I recommend it to like one of the girls that shot for designing. Everyone's doing what Brandon calls the Blackbeard design. He'll walk up to my computer, be like, "That's a Blackbeard car." Well, nowadays everyone wants shapes. And it was so refreshing to go to your car this year and do scallops because that's what I use. That's what I grew up doing, and I really enjoy seeing it look like that again. Yeah. I mean, I don't know about you. What are scallops? Is that the swoosh type? Yeah. Thing? Okay. Yeah, I well, it's 
I like the old school looking cars for the most part. I just, I, I'm not big on the, and everybody has only got two colors, you know, it's, it's a blue car, a red car with a white number or a bright colored number. And it's just very, I don't, I don't know how to say it, but cause I'm not an artist and I can't do it, but it, everything's just real blocky and choppy and looks, looks like a 10 year old kid designed it or something, you know? You know, the one thing about the black beard design, it is, it's a minimalist it's yeah. approach to it. Um, you know, and I've obviously done like Trey's Grops car where it's, let's throw as many colors on it as I can. Right. And even with yours, it's, I always look at your car as like a hot rod because yeah. the way JJ has always came to me was, this is what we want. And whenever I go see it, it's all clean chrome wheels. I mean, it looks like a hot rod at a car show. Yeah. It doesn't look, I mean, it's obviously a race car, but that's what I enjoy is you guys take such great care of it that you make what I design look even better because of how well it's kept up. Yeah, we, uh, I, we just, I've always, he made me take pride in stuff when I was a kid, you know. I mean, he, obviously as a kid, you can't afford a go-kart or whatever, you know, and he was nice enough to, to let me drive all kinds of stuff when I was young, and but you were damn sure going to take care of it, and. Um, I just, it's funny. All the pit crew guys say I'm particular, but he's more particular than I am. It's, they, they're like, God, you know, geez, Josh, you know, get off this tangent, you know? And I'm like, it, it, it he'll tell me that too. And it's funny. Cause then he'll go on a tangent for 20 minutes, you know, watching you put on the tank number. I mean, who does that? You know, <laughs> like I go to work. I mean, once the car's dropped off a of vinyl, it's dropped off a of vinyl. I ain't going to sit there and watch you do it all day to make sure. But you know, he you just know, wants to make sure it's done right. You know, but when I do installs at your shop, it, it's more of hearing the stories with JJ. Cause he'll sit on one side and I'm just sitting there doing my job. But it's enjoyable. Like I could sit there all day and install in that car. Cause I enjoy yeah. hearing history. Yeah. You've stuff. been there all day. We've, well, yeah. we've seen it. That's we've why I it. don't get sent there anymore. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now you bring it to the shop. <laughs> so we can kind of watch you. <laughs> you know, they haven't offered to send me to lunch or buy me lunch. So that kind of get rid of me, but they haven't offered that. Yet. JJ comes to our shop. Admit this Brandon, that it's, he comes in, he Stace comes to see him, Nate comes to see him. It's like a Hollywood superstar well, comes in. JJ will come to the shop, Stace will say hi, then she'll roll her eyes at us because she knows we're going to be talking racing for the next two hours. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> yeah, well, uh, and I really shouldn't do that because uh, way back when John Larson taught me something that was really good business and uh, anyway he had he had a couple guys working for him john larson did and uh, the guy made the comment to me he said hey he said if you win tomorrow night saturday morning would you bring us donuts and i said hell if we went you know tomorrow night i'll i'll bring rolls hell with donuts and uh, so anyway we did and we got lucky and won and uh, so i stopped and bought rolls and took them down to the shop and set them down and John Larson saw it, got up, walked to the back of his shop where this alley was, and I, hmm, must be something going on in the alley. So I walked back there, and as soon as I get back there, John turned around and walked back to the front of his shop. And then I knew something was up. And so I walk up to him, and I, God, what the hell did I do? I mean, it hadn't even been 24 hours since we won. What did I do to make him mad this time? And <laughs> so anyway, I walk up there, and John told me, point blank, he says, 
I do not pay these guys time and a half on Saturday to eat donuts. Now, if you want to pay them time and a half to eat donuts, you go right ahead. I never, ever took rolls to Larson shopping. Yeah, Brandon, you should listen to that. <laughs> I do Brandon more. gets so excited when food comes in the shop. <laughs> I do more work than you do, bud. But, but uh, I get you know, it. You got that inner fat kid, but you're skinny still on the outside somehow. You're one of them people. But uh, that's just one of the things that Larson taught me. And the other one he taught yeah, me. And you, yeah, you're still wasting Harris's time down there. He's, oh, he's not wasting our time. Well, hell, I ain't got nothing better Gosh. to do. Well, you know, they can always ask you to leave. <laughs> I ain't going to do that. <laughs> no, the girls have this thing, so they'll laugh if they – if they would actually listen to the podcast, is that they call it Josh's Corner. When any a race car driver comes in and I start asking them questions, they're like, here we go. Josh yeah, is gonna he'll be, be gone for, for four hours. And and then what's more funny is, so I'm talking to whoever, like like Josh, come in, anybody. Stace will come up and like kind of give me a little nudge, like, come on, you need to go back to work. And it's like, but this is part of the thing I love about my job is that I get to be around. Not guys. doing anything. No, I get Yeah. <laughs> No, but I get to be around this community of racing that it's, you guys are, I mean, it's almost like a family. Like, you know, I like, I've known Josh since he was little. I mean, me and you are pretty close in age. Yeah. And, and JJ, I've known as more of going from being somebody I looked up to, to somebody that I can call my friend or somebody that I've, you know, when you come to shop, I, you come to me or you come to Nate, you know. Even like Don Drow Jr. came in today and he goes straight to my desk. It's like a beeline. Like he doesn't even, you have that COVID sign up, like don't come past and it's moved out of the way. And he comes straight to me and it's, but I feel like I've earned that with your trust, you know. But it's been hard, that's for sure. (laughs) I mean, but the funniest thing that I remember with Josh was we got that wing panel. And you were, what, 16 years old? Yes, sir. Yes, it's still hanging up in our shop. And every time he looks at that wing panel, it looks like a fifth grader wrote their name. And he's like, he'll say that every time. He's like, oh, you need to re-sign that or something. Yeah, has your handwriting gotten better? Not really. <laughs> <laughs> it's still terrible, but I work on it. But, yeah, I, I should have been a doctor or something. I don't know. But that thing's that thing was pretty cool. Like, I look at that thing, and I'm just like, man. Every time I look at it, I'm like, that's a whole lot going on, you know. But I was 16 and, you know, was really into the how wild Reflective colors. It. Yeah, reflective. Brandon's I still favorite. like reflective. Fuck reflective. Brandon doesn't like reflective. Yeah, you just got to get a better camera. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> look at his face. Uh, uh, <laughs> we are expensive. We go back with you, uh, Harris Decals, um, when uh, Nate uh, started in his basement. Yeah, yep. and uh, that's when Josh was doing the go kart deal, and uh, I just remember one of the first times that I was over there, and you know go karts say numbers get wiped off pretty easily, and so but I told him I said he just handed me this one color. And I oh god that looked like shit. <laughs> I said you got to have two colors here, and. So I really think that I'm really the one that really kind of told him about, you know, making it more obvious than just one color. Yeah, you've you've really helped us learn. Everyone we've worked with, certain people bring certain things that we remember and help us grow as a designer. 
And I feel like you guys have helped me grow in doing certain designs. I mean, your guys' gold leaf, I don't ever really work with gold leaf, so I don't know how to kind of work with it. And it's amazing how you can make that car look from a new, brand new, you know, 2020 race car, but make it look old school just by putting gold leaf on. And that's, that's the fun part is I get to see the end result before anybody else does, unless JJ's there, <laughs> he sees it with me, but, but you get to, you guys always challenge us. And I love that part, you know, and the personality part of it, you know, I kind of know what Josh likes. I know what JJ likes. And it's more funny when they both come in and they clash with each other about a design. Cause it's <laughs> JJ leaves. And then I get a phone call from Josh. All right, we're going to go back to the other way. <laughs> Just don't tell my grandpa until he gets back. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, this year, um, I got removed of that duty. Uh, yeah. yeah. He was pretty quiet when he came in the shop, when we were talking about design. Or no, it was just me and you. That's yeah, right. Yeah. Did. Yeah, I got removed because, uh, you know, I, you know <laughs> <laughs> I'm old. <laughs> yeah. Really? yeah. Yeah, Grandpa, you know, he just ain't, you know, come on. <laughs> you know, okay, go. He gets to be a tight ass because he always has to pay the bills. So he's like, one color now, Nate. Like, we can't go we back can't to go the back. three, you know. Like, so, Josh, before we wrap this up, I, I know you've heard numerous stories from your grandpa. What's your favorite one that you haven't heard yet? Yeah, I haven't heard oh, on the man, on the on the show yet. This one. I'll give you time to think while while I'm talking. <laughs> I, I, I remember I remember you driving the two fourteen Js of of uh, Tucker and Larson. Mm-hmm. Then I think you went to the Rexus sixty six car. No, or was uh, it Porto's one, uh, one Pronto's car? Pronto. Yeah, Pronto. Oh, I thought it was Porto. He has well, a garage on. Well, yeah, you're right. I called it Pronto. Pronto. <laughs> you call so this a those are the tomato. four cars that I remember you driving specifically. But right, what can you tell us? Some other cars that you drove that uh, um, that that uh, I mean, that were we would know or that we would recognize. I mean, like around here, that's the only four that I really remember you driving. Were there other cars there out there that I'm missing? Well, I mean, I know uh, you. I uh, Fred Aiden was the guy that owned the. Four J car, and that that all ties oh, in yeah. with Opperman and yeah. that whole deal there. Uh, I got to drive for Fred uh, four times. Every time it was a catastrophe, <laughs> and uh, but um, you know I drove for Eldon Thomas, and I even drove for Arnie. Uh, Rudder built a car uh, way back when. And I drove for Arnie, and uh, there were some other people that I drove for. Um, but it was so early on that, um, you know, you're this really the sad thing to me about racing is you start out, you want to do this really bad, but you cannot gather up the good guys because the mechanic and the owner don't want to look bad. Plus, they, the owner spent good money mm-hmm. and they don't want their stuff tore up. So eventually, if you ever get to the point where you can get that combination put together where somebody's willing to put up the money and you get a good engine builder and you get him on board, then you get a good mechanic on board, and then in the process, you got the mechanic, but then you also got the really good machinist. Uh, but that's really the hard part for young people because you all start out and you kind of want to do it 
but you don't know anything. And back then, them old guys wouldn't share nothing. And you were on your own forever. Learn, learn by yourself. Yeah, and trial it was and just error. trial and error. And um, so what really happens, and it's still happening today, um, after a while you just get so discouraged that you're not winning. And What's the point? you just quit. Yeah. And um, I don't know why I didn't quit. I should have, but uh, I didn't. And so, anyway, um, to me, that's kind of what it's about. Did you ever get to drive even like a one-off race? Say, say Doug didn't, Doug Wolfgang didn't show up for a race, and they needed a driver for like mm-hmm. Trossel or Nance or any of those type of guys. You got like a, a one-off ride every once yeah, in a while. Yeah, you want to hear that story? Sure, absolutely. <laughs> I showed up at Sioux Falls, South Dakota, Cheaters Day, and I it was Dave Van Patten, which was Bob Trossel's guy, okay, money guy. And so anyway, Van Patten's got this car. We show up in Sioux Falls for Cheaters Day, but it's the backup car to Doug Wolfgang. Okay? So, but on the hood it says Doug Wolfgang. And this kid come walking up to me and he says, is Doug Wolfgang here today? And I said, no, he's in California. And he goes... Uh, well, who's going to drive it? And I said, well, I am. He goes, ah, oh, shit. The kid walked off. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, I mean, that's just the way it was. <laughs> you know, so. That was true cheater's day because you guys could really literally run anything yeah. on that car. Uh, right. And, right. man, they had some crazy designs right. out there. Uh, that year, I think I ran like third in the A-Main in Dave's car, and Gene Jeniton, which nobody knows the name now, but anyway, Gene Jeniton went by me, and I swear to God, the wing was a 747, (laughs) and I mean, he was gone, but we did did really well, and, um, but um, I did get to drive uh, the 18 car, um, and probably the most famous car that I ever got to drive was Fred Aiden's, that 4J car. Because Opperman had driven it, and Eddie Levitt had driven it, right, and sure. some really good racers had driven it. That was always a really one of those cars that you knew uh, when it showed up. You knew that it was going to be fast because it was the Ford J was always fast. Didn't so, matter who was in it. Uh, yeah. You know, there's a few other guys, uh, you know, uh, that I drove for, but uh, most of them deals were maybe once or twice, and uh, you were just. There for a while, I was just kind of hopping around and after 71 and uh, just try to get a ride. Right. And, uh, but back then, there was owners that actually were hiring drivers. You know, and the rule was you never got too far away from the car because somebody else would be driving <laughs> it by the time you got back. Yeah. You know, but uh, you kind of felt kind of good if they, you know you're in trouble when they write your name on the car and duct tape. <laughs> <laughs> you know that's a good story like we had talked about this before they got here about when is it time to stop like when like sammy is a good good one we pointed out was mm-hmm. you know when when is it time to call it quits did you know when you was time for you to quit yeah, yeah. i i knew I, I think everybody should really stop and think before they get involved in this game of what do you expect to get out of it and i've asked people that that help me with you know pit crew things like that and they go i really want to do this and i go what do you expect to get out of this 
And uh, I never wanted to be Lloyd Beckman or anything. I just wanted to, at the end of the night, uh, to have people at least recognize the fact that I'd even been there. And so when it got to 90, I guess 91, um, I just, what I didn't want to do was have to go clear back to be an also ran. And it was still very competitive. Um, we had won the point championship that year, and I just, I, I just couldn't see that. And I would tell people, for, you know, they go, well, what, what do you think? And I go, well, you know, if Ma- Muhammad Ali would have got out of the ring after he knocked Liston out, they'd still be calling him champ. Yeah. And I'm not letting these guys knock me out. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. <laughs> so, um, but I quit. And, um, but it wasn't too long after that uh, we got, kind of got Josh started. And my big deal with Josh was that you still may have the ability to do it. You can go out and show a young guy. And all that does is deflate them. It really does. It's just, you know, oh, yeah. So you said an expectation. Right. And so I had no desire whatsoever to get back in a race car once Josh started. Because I really feel that my main focus has to be to help him to get better. And if you stay that way, um, then I think I'm, that's what I'm comfortable yeah. with. You lose focus. You're so focused on you getting better or doing good that season. You're, you're well, not giving him the attention he needs to get well, better. Well, I, I think a good example that um, Lonnie Jensen and Tyke. Yeah. Uh, if Lonnie would have put his whole focus towards Ty, where would where would he be now? Yeah. I sure. mean, I, I just feel that's a good example. I'm not knocking them for what they did. I'm just saying that, you know, um, I think you really got to get focused in and – what, you know, you asked me the question now, what do you expect to get out of it? And there's nothing that makes me happier than Josh have a good night. I mean, uh, two weeks ago, I mean, I guarantee you guys that I was the saddest guy there. Well, I he mean, looked like he could win that race. And to see him doing so well, you know, running second, and then the first thing that went through my mind, because I did this to him, and... I, he's leading the feature, a 360 show at Eagle, and that, and I mean, he's got it won, and I know, and things just quits, and he comes up in the pits, and he's yelling, and, and I go, what the hell, what the hell went wrong, he said, the son of a bitch ran out of fuel, you ran me out of fuel, and I go, oh man, you gotta be shitting me, well, the, when the thing stopped, Two weeks ago, I thought, oh, shit, we didn't. That's the first thing that went through my mind. We did not run him out of fuel. And when he came up and I go, he goes, Grandpa, just shut off. And he said, I tried to restart it. But I felt way worse for them uh, because they were really, at the worst he was going to do was run second. You know, and it really, you know, you can always say he thought or would have been, could have been. Yeah, he probably was going to win it. Was that the race with Rodney Droud? Is uh, that the yeah, one you're talking was, about? Because I remember that one. You were times, pretty frustrated at the three end. Three times in a year, Rodney beat me, and he right. won, his, won his first championship. But one time I ran out of fuel. I was leading. Another time I got boxed in by a lap car, and he squirted me over in three and four. And then, uh, what the hell was it? 
I think uh, um, maybe the uh, dry sun pump took a crap on me. I lost oil pressure leading or something one night. You, I think it was probably the yeah, third was, night of it happening, and you were just like, me and Nate came up, and you were like, what do I got to do to beat this guy? Yeah. This is ridiculous. Yeah, he was, he was, he was really good, you know, right at that time frame, and I was just learning. But yeah, it was, it was definitely those were cool times, you know. That's, you know, I mean, there's still a bunch of us still out there. You know, it's funny you go out to Eagle and it's still me and Trevor and Danleys and you know so many people I grew up racing against. I'm still racing against. It's you still got of, Don Drow Jr. still out there yeah. racing. Yeah, 360 shows and stuff yeah. like that. And Ego still going good. Um, so that's that's still impressive. You know, it kind of gives me hope because I'm kind of getting a little bit older. And it's like, well, if he's still going fast, hopefully I can still go fast. So, so with with what your your grandpa said, what 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 do you expect getting out of racing? You know, I've been chasing a championship, and I don't know how many times it's went sideways on me. I junked the car, the motor motor troubles, or just whatever, you know, or just flat run second. But, um, yeah, I've, that's something that I just continue to chase, and it's, uh, it's, it's bothered me, you know. But I didn't realize it until uh, Jason was at the banquet last year, and he said it was his first championship, and I, I was – I would have never guessed that, you know, because, I mean, he's always – He's always been on the throttle, you know, and I was I was pretty pretty surprised by that. But, um, you know, I've I've won it, won championships, go karts, mini sprints, all that stuff, and it's just it's been uh, either bad luck or just running out of equipment, you know, when it gets down to middle of the season and it's crunch time to do that work. So, well, even Don Drow Jr. won his first points title like a couple years ago, and he'd been racing. Because Rodney used to give him grief all the time. How many championships you got? And he goes zero. But he go, how many feature wins do I have compared to you? And that was kind of their fighting moments of. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, um, it's uh, it's a great feeling to win your first championship. I know how I felt in '83, and um, God, I thought I, you know, conquered the world and. Uh, but from going to getting waved off, the other really crazy one about Midwest was the first time I ever really tried it, I couldn't catch up to the pack. And the last race feature they ever had there, I won. <laughs> really? Jeez. And I never, I started in 1964 with that figure eight thing. and But I went from 1964 to 1981 and never won an A feature. That just shows to not give up and you can still accomplish what you want. But between 81 and 91, I won 60. 60? You got some ways to go, Josh. (laughs) I got some more to do. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, and I, I'm just saying that I got with the right people and what we Arnie was able to do, Larson was able to do, Tucker, the whole, the whole group of us was we got our hands on good equipment and we made the best of what we got our hands on. You know, you, you told me back when is that when, when Billy started mm-hmm. that you told the same thing to Stuart to put him around good people, get him good stuff. And that first full season, you saw the difference mm-hmm. between having the right stuff and having the right guy behind the wrench what it truly did and those guys all oh he's cheating it's traction control 
And you were like, no, it's... No, it's he the, had it. Oh, okay, never mind. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason, I, only reason I say that is because Josh was running the mini sprint under this uh, restricted class, they called it. Right. Well, then at the he he won several features that year. Matter of fact, Stuart paid him a hundred bucks. Stuart told him if he ever won two features, he'd give him a hundred bucks. So at the end of two features, Josh says he owes me a hundred bucks. <laughs> And that's more than the payout. I said, no, nah, let it go. Just let it go, Josh. Well, he wins two more in a row. So he won. That's 200 bucks. You know. No, I didn't get any more. <laughs> that was one thing about Stuart. He's a stiff negotiator. You know, yeah. He said it so, one time, uh, not, I, not every two. It was Sloppy Joe's instead. No. <laughs> so Josh says, he owes me 100 bucks, Grandpa. And I go, yeah, go get it. And Stuart paid him. Whoa. Well, uh, Josh walked. He's happy. He's got Stuart's hundred bucks, and I go over and tell Stuart, "Hey, Stuart, just want to let you know we ain't never going to cash the check, and we we still have it." Do you really? Yeah, never oh, cashed wow. it. I told Stuart, "Yeah, yeah shit." <laughs> <laughs> but um, you know, it's it's all good, and but you have to, and and I'm a big believer in the fact that you have to surround yourself with good people. And if you do that, you're going to be successful. And But if you don't, it, it probably uh, – there's no doubt in my mind it's not going to happen. I think we touched on that two weeks ago in our podcast. We were talking about somebody struggling, and I said, um, oh, uh, Kevin Thomas Jr. for getting fired from his car. And I said, you know, Tyler Courtney, he's in the seven car. I think the reason he's doing so well, other than he's a great driver, is he's surrounded by the right people. They know how to work on the car. They know how to make the car fast, and they're familiar with each other, whereas KTJ was with a new team, and he may have had the best equipment, but I don't know enough about his team, whether he had great, a great crew chief or whatever. But I, we made that comment that if you you got to surround yourself with the right people to uh, to, to do this, this whole thing. Yeah. What I've always found funny is, is when guys switch seats, especially like Pennsylvania or whatever, and then both of them get hot. Yeah, you know, and it's 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 just proves it's a combination of people, you know. Yeah. Like that's one thing we have a really good pit crew, and that's what keeps me holding on and doing well is because I just, I mean, it's hard to get good guys that actually want to do it, you know. And everybody wants to do it, you know, about January and then April and then May, <laughs> but here when it's a hundred and five, and you know there ain't no shade. It, it, it becomes thin. It's a it's a huge time commitment. It's you know? a huge time commitment. Yeah. I mean, it's it's something that, it, and I don't even know if it's a huge time commitment, but you really got to be focused in on what you're doing. It, it can go faster if you just go over, go over and straight go to work and know your job and do it. But it's and that's what's probably the hardest part of it is is, you know, anytime you get somebody new. You have to teach them because, like you know, a lot of times people come, they got no race experience, but they want to try, you know, and it's it's more teaching than it is anything else. How, how many crew members do you have on your team? We have three. Is it do well, you, four? Four. Yeah, three. Do you have to do you have to spend any time? Um, all guys have egos. And sometimes people forget what they're there for. I mean, all five of them or four of them should be there to help you win a race, whether it's scraping mud or doing the hard job or whatever. Do you ever have any issues with 
your crew or with even previous crew, if you don't want to talk about this current crew, of juggling egos to where we're all on the same page and we're all out to to do the best we can every night at the trail? Oh, yeah. Every, I mean, it, it happens inevitably. You I would know. assume with guys that have an egos like we do. Well, it's, it's not even so much of egos. Um, probably just different personalities. You know, I mean, everybody's ego gets hurt if you're like, ah, you know, whatever. But um, the the number one thing is just personalities getting, you know, it almost takes like a quiet guy and an outgoing guy. And then, uh, you know, um, somebody that kind of can lift morale when things aren't going good. And then somebody uh, like my grandpa to, you know, bring the morale down a little bit when things are going good, you know? And we're all smiling. He's like, yeah, I was third, boys. Like, yeah, there's work to do here, you know? He's like, well, I started 15th, you know? He's like, I saw that, but, you know, you saw, there's still two guys up there in front of you, you know? So. Well, and you got to listen to everybody. Everyone yeah. has to have a voice, yeah. you know? Yeah. What, what I've always found with a lot of people that get involved in racing, they say they want to just be part of the crew but there's something else in mind the mechanic really wants to be the driver or vice versa that's the way i was when i got started i I, you know i I do the photos i wanted to drive a race car but i knew there was no way in hell i'm gonna be able to afford to do it i don't even know if i I have the talent to do it but i found photography is is the next best thing that gets me as close as i can to being in that seat because i'm uh, one of the first races I ever shot was at I eighty, and Josh comes down on the guardrail. They run, they run right on the bottom, and I swear, if I leaned out, he would have took my head off with that wing. I go, I don't, I don't think I could get any closer to the action than I was right there. Yeah, uh, uh, you know, like Josh said, it, it's personalities, and uh, to get the right personalities to jive and and then actually accomplish what you're there to accomplish um, is. Uh, you know, it's a, it's a task. Um, I, I've always said that, um, you know, everybody will comment what a hell of a racer Doug Wolfgang was, and he was. But you know what Doug's biggest problem was? Couldn't keep a crew together. Really? Couldn't that? do it. Why is that? Well, because Doug thought everybody should work, and, and uh, Doug and I have talked about it, and Doug felt everybody should work as hard as he did. Well, he couldn't find nobody work as hard as he was. He was up jogging and doing all this crazy stuff, and Doug just thought that they ought to be committed as much as he was. And it, every time it, uh, he would, um, I mean, you can just name the different, different time frames that he was really, really good. And then all of a sudden, that deal ended. Why did it end? And... Uh, so, uh, but if, I, I always said if Doug could have kept, you know, the same guys and when, like when he was with Bob or, um, the Wiker deal was really unusual, yeah. uh, very unusual. Um, but yet there was other deals that, uh, you know, uh, when Doug was driving the gambler car, uh, he really should have won the championship that year, but he just couldn't keep people, you know, together. So I'm still waiting to hear this story, Josh. Yeah, we of, stalled long enough. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you got the story? What story is that? What was it with this your one? best story of you, or is it your grandpa's that we asked? Best story that you haven't heard tonight. Oh, man. 
Uh, Club Bundy story. Oh, okay. I'll tell the story. Okay, that's a good one, Grandpa. Good call. All right. So I just started sprint car racing, and I was 16 and very wet behind the ears. But I was very much on the throttle, too. And um, it was like Nebraska Cup or something like that, like a big race at Eagle, or Outlaws were there or something. Like, it was a big, big night for us, and... Anyway, I start, like, front row outside, and Ken, Kenny Kilbundy starts on the inside of me. And we take off into one, and I go to the top. Kenny comes right through the middle, kind of circles me over in one, one and two. And I'm just wide open. And I go off into three and go for the middle, and I do not lift. And the car just goes straight up the banking. And I just literally... Hit Kenny right wheel for wheel, and my car just flips up over the top of him. I mean, it just mangled the shit out of it. And I'm sitting there looking at him, 16 years old, and I'm just like, oh, man, you know, like, this is bad. (laughs) Grandpa's pissed, you know. And here comes Kenny, and he's ready to chew my ass, you know. And I had it coming, but, you know, I didn't know no better. In my mind, it should have stuck, but it just didn't, you know. And here he came, and he started in on me, and I was like, and I, I knew I had it coming, so I was just going to sit there and listen to it. Let's get here. He, here Grandpa comes out of the trailer, and he, he goes, he just started chewing Kenny's ass, called him Omaha Stockyard Boy, and, a, and <laughs> things I cannot mention on the radio. You know? And Bruce Divis's dad fell off the right rear tire because he was laughing so hard. And and he goes, you came to chew some ass, but you never got your ass chewed like this. And, I mean, Kenny's halfway up the pit lane and finally looks and is like, are you dumb? You know? And I was like, man, that's not good. And, and anyway, the funny thing about it was we went up to uh, the Sioux Falls swap meet, and we're, or Sioux City swap meet, and we're – Selling off some stuff we got to, you know, getting ready for next year or whatever. And here comes Kenny. And it was like, oh, God, you know. And so he goes, hey, we're going to eat. You guys want to go? And I was like, yeah. You know, I'm like, boy, this is kind of interesting, you know. And we sat there and laughed. And uh, we actually became friends out of it. It was kind of funny, you know. But, you know, it was just, it's just funny. And it was one of them things that. I was wild and out of control, and Kenny didn't have much respect for me probably at that point. And, you know, I kind of earned a little bit over some time, but he was, he became a really cool guy, you know. And I, I knew, <laughs> I still knew I needed my ass chewed, but, you know, we, at least I, uh, at least we got over it, you know. That's the thing. I mean, a lot of times uh, it's funny. I kind of get a bad reputation, you know, because everybody thinks that. I'm an asshole or this or that, but very seldom do I go down and chew other other people's ass. But I have before, but it's just because I work, you know, 60 hours a week at the railroad, and I don't want to go out there and get my shit tore up. It's just too hard to work for to pay. I mean, everything's so expensive. And then now, like, you can't get nothing. So you yeah. get tore up, you're going to sit at home. So <laughs> the, Really, the kind of the end of the story, we're at this swap meet, and, and here comes Kobundi and that, and you guys want to go eat? And I wasn't real fond of Kenny because uh, I hadn't got over it yet. And <laughs> so he, uh, he says to Josh, he goes, well, we're going to the casino. Uh, you want to go with us? And uh, 
I looked at Kenny and I said, he's only 16. And he goes, oh, my God, I didn't realize it. I said, yeah, he's just 16 years old. You can't take him to a casino. <laughs> <laughs> Titty bar was next. And John's yeah. like, let's go. <laughs> I was game, but yeah. Yeah, Kenny yeah, looked at me and goes, well, shit, you can whip the bouncer, I bet, you know. But we didn't try. I, I got to stay at home. Yeah. I, I still, you know, I'm not very good at casinos or, you know. Titty bars. It's just like, I just don't have enough excess money, you know, to yeah, go. Right. That's the one thing about race cars is it'll ruin. That's where your excess, your money goes to. Yeah, basically. I just, it ruins fun for you at times. But, well, yeah, but other true. times it's so much fun, you know, it, it's, it's, it's one of those things. I mean, one of the things that's really kept me doing it is, is um, I, you know, learned how to pheasant hunt when I was pretty young and I like that and stuff. And I like I started snow skiing at 28. I decided I want to learn how to do that. and like so I slalom or downhill? Just downhill. downhill. But uh, I started doing that, and I've mountain biked riding the mountains, and I've done a lot of really neat things, you know, that a lot of people probably don't get the opportunity to do. And nothing has captivated me like racing. You know, I'm, I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool, but... And, yeah, I could probably ski all winter if I didn't have a job to go to. But, but really, I know in summer, as soon as it hit, I'd want to be back in a race car. It's just, it's funny. I've, I've taken breaks at times when I've hurt myself or, you know, ran out of equipment or whatever. But always three months later, I find myself going, man, I just got to go back. I, I know I can do it. It's not a question of ability or talent. It's just we got to go, go again. You get the enjoyment out of it, basically. Yeah. yeah. We, uh, one of the things. One past time. No, I was going to wrap things up. I'm going to finish what you were saying, but. Well, one of the things I always felt like I've encouraged Josh is to do things, go snow skiing and do go hunting and things like that, because I never did. And the only thing I know is that garage. And I think it's really good that he gets away from it and he can go do other things. And Because when you get older and you quit doing this deal, then what are you going to do with your life? Because if that's all you know is that garage, um, that's where you're going to be. And, you know, and that's why I'm comfortable where I'm at, at 75 years old. You know? I mean, you know you're not capable of carrying, you know, five gallons of fuel and a jack and a tire anymore, but yeah. uh, there's you, you can guys. polish the shit out of wheel though, can't oh, you? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I can <laughs> polish the shit out of wheel. <laughs> All right guys, I want to thank you for coming on. I knew I knew going into this would be a long one, but uh I, I love the I love the stories. Like anytime you come in the shop, I, I love the old stories and so I want to thank you. And Josh, I mean as well, you had some stories of your own. So yeah. it, was, it was great hearing yeah, hearing those. I, I like I like the basement. I don't know if they can see us with the no. Well, I have my camera down. This here place is time. like Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s basement, you know, except for it's just it doesn't have it's, gold leaf in it. It's the poor man's version <laughs> of Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s basement. Yeah. No, but I definitely want to say thank you guys for coming out here because, yeah. as according to Brad, it is a long track out here depending on where you're from. But Brad has an hour drive home back to the islands. <laughs> but I, I, out of all the people I wanted to come see this was JJ and Josh because to me this is like us. Like this is, you know. Yeah personality and stuff like that and my wife jokes that she's like you like have a hodgepodge of everything and it's like it's kind of like whatever that day i think of that you know let's do this and and someday down the line i'm gonna you're gonna have a couch 
I'll have a couch, but I also have my wife told me I needed to get photos of cars I've done that meant something to me. And I Joe Orth is a hell of a photographer, I'll tell you that. He is a hard to get a hold of. <laughs> <laughs> but I definitely want to get one. There's a photo I took of you guys, and it was JJ pushing you off. Oh, yeah. In the black, it was the black carbon fiber top with the red bottom yeah. with the star on it. And yeah, cool. I always thought that was such a cool photo to see, you know, JJ sitting behind you in the four-wheeler getting ready to push you. And, you know, that's probably going to be a photo I'm going to have up. And it... To me, that's the cool thing is what's funny is my neighbors didn't even know what I did that, you know, for the longest time, they're like, what do you do? And they're all huge race fans. And I'm like, oh, I, I lettered this car in this car. And they're like, wait, how did, what, how did you know that person? I'm like, well, I designed that race car that you like, what? Like they thought I was just in some computer programming thing, like something like that. And my wife just starts laughing like. Yeah, he knows. I've been to, when she was dating me, it was racetrack every week, going into the pits, seeing every driver and, you know, knowing everybody. And that was one of the cool things. And as I've gotten older, I don't go to the track, as Brandon likes to point out. Yeah, and he it, just watches TV. <laughs> now I just watch TV. But but that was always one of the cool things is going in the pits and know everybody. And everyone, you know, I always treated everybody the same, and I wanted to always be that way. And that's why this basement to me is kind of reflection of me, that's my wife told me. She's like, "This is your basement. Do whatever yeah. you want to do." And that, you know, that's thinking about getting a sex swinger in good down there. <laughs> <laughs> you know? I mean, if well, it's your basement, you know, like you know, my, I might get an eye racing rig. I've been looking oh, at them. Oh yeah, you haven't so, seen the secret room yet, Josh. Yeah, I'm <laughs> uh huh. Ain't I'm fucking out. on me. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> Catch you later. <laughs> all right. So with that being said, thanks, everybody, for tuning in. We will catch you all next week. Thanks, guys.